Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. If you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Now, in about three and a half, four weeks, we will enter into what the church calls Pentecost. Now, in Hebrew, that same day that we call Pentecost, in Hebrew, that's called Shavuot. And the word Shavuot means weeks. On the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now, for the next three weeks, I'm going to show you some amazing things how the day of Pentecost, when we receive the Holy Spirit, the power of God is directly linked to you and I having wisdom to gain wealth. Amen. Amen. I need a better amen. amen. Now, the reason I need a better amen is that we're talking in the back, and you can talk about, uh, I want to be healed. I want to be delivered. I want the power of God. But when it comes to talking about wealth, we have a real problem in the church. You know, um, uh, there'll always be those people who say, well, the only reason pastor teaches on money is he wants your money. Just tell them, we don't even receive offerings here. We just trust people to do what God wants them to do. Except three times a year, we come before the Lord and we don't come empty-handed. That's what Malachi chapter 3 is all about. Return unto me and I'll return to you. How will we return? In tithes and in offerings. Those offerings are Passover, Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles. The Pentecost offering is directly linked to your wealth and your financial gain for the whole rest of the year. Look with me in John chapter 16. You don't have to turn there. John chapter 16, verse 12. Jesus is telling them that he has to go. He said, I've got to go. They said, no, Lord, you can't go. He said, no, it's better that I go than if I stay. Now, that's a bizarre statement. Why would it be better for Jesus to go than it would be for him to stay? Because he said, when I go, I will send another, and he will talk to you and teach you and lead you now listen to this and he'll show you things to come now i want you to think about this why do we receive the baptism of the holy spirit just so we can say shanda labippi or mama rodahanda why do we receive the holy spirit because he will come and he will be in you when Jesus was here, he was with them, but when he sent the Holy Spirit, he became in them. When Jesus was in Jerusalem, he was in Jerusalem. But when the Holy Spirit came, wherever we are, he is with us, and he will lead us and guide us and teach us and show us things to come. Listen to Leviticus uh, 23, 15, and 16. It says, from the day of Passover, I want you to count for yourself 50 days. Look at it. It says, bring it, bring it back so if you can. He said, you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath. This is on Passover. From the day after you brought the sheaves of the wave offering and seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath that you shall... Offer a new grain offering unto the Lord. So from the time of Jesus dying on the cross and the resurrection to the time of Pentecost, it was 50 days. From the time of Passover to the time of God giving the Bible, same day, same day God gave the Bible on Mount Sinai is the same day 
that we, the church received the Holy Spirit, it's 50 days. Shavuot means week. Seven times seven plus one is Pentecost. These two days are directly linked to the power of God, the signs, the wonders, and the miracles, and they're directly linked to the anointing that God gives you to gain wealth. Now, I'm going to lay a foundation down today. Next week, I'm going to show you something that I, I would say you've never been taught. You know, a lot of, th- you know, I study everything I study in the Bible, I study out of the Hebrew, and I have to share it little by little. But next week, you're going to see that the anointing of God, the wisdom of God, is directly linked to you gaining wealth. Now, let me lay the foundation before we read Deuteronomy 8. How many of you would like to be a millionaire? And the ones that didn't raise their hands, you either already are or you're a liar. How many would like to be a millionaire? Okay. How many ways do you know to become a millionaire? He knows them all. Now, I'm not saying that by this time next year, you're going to be a millionaire. But I am saying that if you listen to what God is saying, you'll have more money next year than you do this year because it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Read with me in Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting with verse 6. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is, say is, is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks and water, of fountains and springs that flows out of valleys and hills. Now, realize where Israel is here. They've just come out of Egypt. They've just come out of slavery. They've just come out where they're fed the same things that animals are fed. Now they've been 40 years in the wilderness, in the desert, and God is saying, look what's going to happen to you. Look at verse 8. A land of wheat and barley, of vines, of fig trees, of pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack. Say it out loud. Nothing. See, God has taken them from a land of barely enough to a land of more than enough. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? When you have eaten and are full, or or, excuse me, verse 9, in a land which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper, when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God. Let, let, me, let me stop right there. Any, any Christian or any pastor that says, I don't believe in prosperity has never been hungry. I don't know about you, but there are times when I was a Christian, Tiz and I were married, we were hungry. I can remember one time that we had one box of, what were they? Instant mash, instant potato flakes. Tis said, that's that last, and we, we weren't getting a check until the next day. And she said, that's all we got. And she poured it in the boiling water, and bow weevils come up. What'd you do? Scraped off the bow weevils. <laughs> I, I agree with Paul. I've served God in plenty, and I've served God in one. Plenty is better. Oh, give me, don't don't give me that. I've had those tins of welfare peanut butter. You can't even spread that stuff. I'm from the hood. I'm from the inner city. Uh, Listen, if... It, it, well, I don't believe in all this prosperity. You ain't never been hungry. 
But people that have been hungry, people that have tried to get their rent paid, people that have tried to build, we want prosperity. And we don't want just enough. No, I, I can feel it on some of you. I've been there where we said, Mom, there's no ketchup, and Mom puts the hot water in the ketchup bottle. I can remember when John Evangini sat with Tiz and I and said, listen, God wants you to be blessed. We never missed a tithe. We never didn't pay an offering. We never missed a tithe. But we were always taught that God was poor. And when I found out, God has more than enough. So we're going to lay a foundation today, okay? Let's go back. Verse 10. When you've eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you understanding he's given it to you it's not jehovah washington it's not jehovah oval office do not look to anyone except jehovah jireh to be your provider beware when you when 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 you're living in the good land and you've eaten in your full now look at verse 11 beware that you do not forget the lord your god by not keeping his commandments, his statutes, um, his judgments, which I command you this day. Uh, l- l- let me stop right there. We have always, Tiz and I have always pastored. Now, this church is a little different, but Tiz and I have always pastored in the hood. We've always pastored in where the drug addicts were and the prostitutes were and, and the gangs were. We've always pastored that, that, that way. And we've seen it over and over and over again. People start off living on the street or living in their car or barely making it. And they sit under this teaching and they begin to prosper. And when they begin to prosper, all of a sudden they're too busy to serve God. I believe in all my heart that this is the last end time anointing to gain wealth. And so if God, if, if you're going to make more, if you're going to become better off and that being better off will keep you from serving God, God will keep you where you are. But you need to vow, Lord, you can make me wealthy where I've got no bills. And, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful that you pray for souls to be saved worldwide instead of praying that your gasoline will last to get to work? But when you get that point, we have seen it so many times that people have taken our folks off the streets and they begin to make money and they get a business going. And next thing you know, you don't see them in church. You don't see them in prayer meeting. You don't see them on outreach. You don't see them going down to pray for the school and they're too busy. God will make sure you're not too busy. Say amen. Amen. That's what he's saying. Beware. Say out loud, beware. Beware. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and are dwelling in them. You're not just building somebody else's house. You're, ladies, you need, I need a big amen from the ladies. You are, you are living in your own beautiful home. Yeah. Say amen. amen. You know, when Tiz and I first got married, we lived in an 8 by 18 or 21, something like that, mobile home. We literally could, if the rapture come, hook it to our car and go off with it. <laughs> now, it was fun to start that way. But after how many years we've been married now? 46 years, if I was still in an 8 by 18 mobile home. Come on, ladies. Verse 13, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied. That doesn't sound like poverty to me. That sounds like increase. When your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now, this is what Malachi is all about. They've just come out of Babylonian captivity, and they're praying, God, don't let the devil beat us up anymore. 
And the Lord says, return unto me, teshuvah. It's a very spiritual term. Teshuvah, your heart, your spirit, return to me. How do we return? And it's interesting, he says, in tithes and offerings. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Amen. And that offering, your tithe and your offering, that offering is three times a year. Israel got so blessed, they forgot what it was like in Egypt. They forgot what it was like in the desert. Now, all of a sudden, everything is prospering for them, and they forget it was God who gave them the increase. We won't make that mistake. Amen. Can I tell you a story? I'm not even near my notes yet. There was several years ago when we were in Portland, and, you know, we always were, you know, we'd bring the offering home, and Tiz, Tiz did the book work, and we'd pray over the offering, and, man, God, come on, Jesus, you know, you can do it. And one day, a guy that was in our church, he, he invented or developed the Bowflex machine the Bowflex machine. He called me one day and he said, pastor, he said, we're going to take this thing public. If I were you, I would buy some of the stock. We're about to take it public. And so we borrowed, this is how low down we were. We borrowed a thousand dollars and bought at 30 cents a share or something like that. And then in a a few weeks, it went up and we borrowed another thousand, we bought $2,000 worth of this stock. In a year or two years, we had $13 million dollars. Man, I'm telling It's making money. It's easy. And then I decided, I got, I'm not joking. We have $13 million in stock, and it's growing. It's growing. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to leave the ministry. And overnight, I lost $13 million. And I've learned. Listen to me. I've learned. You know, when we're, when we're hungry and we got to pay, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. But all of a sudden, we don't have those needs anymore. And it's not, oh, Lord, it's a Sunday morning. <laughs> Staying home. Listen to me. The Lord giveth. <laughs> Trust me when I tell you this. <laughs> and the Lord taketh away. Don't make that mistake. I share that because I, don't make that mistake. God got my attention. Lord, you can do it again, and I will stay in the ministry. (laughs) Look what it says in verse 16, or verse 15. Who led you through all the great and terrible wilderness in which the fiery serpents and the scorpions and thirsty waters, there was no water who brought you, brought water for you out of the flint of a rock. How many times did you need a miracle to pay the bills, and God saw you through? God God saw you through. Well, won't it be wonderful to live where you don't have to pray for a miracle at the end, or you don't have to make a decision? You're not supposed to have to make a decision whether we eat on Friday or we pay the bills on Monday. God has more than enough. Who fed you in the wilderness with manna, with your fathers, who your fathers did not know that he might humble you and he might test you to do good in the end. What does he mean testing? When they needed it, God brought manna from heaven. When they needed it, God brought water out of a rock. Man, every day they got up and boom, there was the manna. Boom, the water came out of a rock. But he says, I'm going to take you from just enough to more than enough. I'm going to bring you, if, you're, if, you, if you serve me, I'm going to bring you into land where, where there's water running everywhere, where there's figs and pomegranates growing everywhere. But don't stop serving God. Amen. Don't stay home. Amen. Look at verse 17. Then you say in your heart, my power... And my hand has gained me this wealth. I remember thinking that. 13 million? Man, I must really know how to do business. 
No, I lucked into something by the hand of God, and I, I failed the test. I failed the test. Now, I have vowed, God, you put that $13 million back in our bank account, and I will pass that test. And all God's people said? Yeah. I mean, this, ha this can happen for us overnight. Look at verse 19. Verse 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he, look at these next words, it is he who gives you, say me, me. say it out loud, me. me, it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. Now, there's a month of sermons in that teaching right there. But the thing I want to emphasize this morning is that God gives us power to gain wealth. Now, I know I've heard, I've said this a thousand times over the years of ministry. If money was bad, Satan would be meeting us in the parking lot, handing it out while we came into church. So the first thing we've got to understand is money is not bad. Money is good. I'm going over to the... The, the Amorites. Money is good. You know what money is? Money's an amplifier. If it's in the hands of bad people, it amplifies bad things. If it's in the hands of good people, it amplifies good things. Now, the journey, the Bible says in Leviticus, count for yourself. And it's a count up. It's a count up from Passover from resurrection to Shavuot or Pentecost, it's a 49 step plus 150 count up. And God says here, and it's very powerful if you take time to study it, it says count for yourself. In other words, nobody can make this climb of these 50 days, these seven weeks, except you. Now, there's all kinds of teaching in this, but the first teaching is, is that you cannot even begin this count up. You can't begin the journey to Pentecost or Shavuot where God brings the Holy Ghost and fire. He brings the wisdom of prosperity. You can't even begin that journey, ancient Jewish wisdom says, unless you have joy. And when I was looking at this, I thought, what a better way to have joy than understand God wants my bills paid God wants me to have not just my bills paid, but he wants me to have more than enough. God wants your husband to be able to take you on a vacation where no tents are involved, where there's room service. If all you can do is pay your bills, you can't do those things. But it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, right? So the first step in understanding the power to gain wealth is to understand that the first step that you have to believe in your heart that God wants you to prosper. Amen. You have to believe it. No matter if you're young or old, male or female, white, black, brown, pinstripe, polka dotted, it doesn't matter. God wants me to prosper. Amen. If you believe that, shout amen. amen. Now, as soon as you say that, you begin to have all these questions that come in your mind. And that's why this is the foundation. Now, I'm going to show you next two weeks some amazing teachings in Scripture that you've never heard before. But you have to start with this. God wants me to prosper. No matter where I'm at right now, God wants me to grow financially. Because if you don't believe that, 
The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all their ways, and let not that man think when he prays he receives anything from the Lord. So if you're praying and you go, Lord, you know, uh, um, uh, I, would, I would like to own my own home instead of renting my own home. And I believe that. When you're renting a home, and we all start there, when you're renting a home, you're just paying for it for somebody else. So you're praying, God, I want a home. Or you're praying, God, I, uh, I need the bills paid. Or God, uh, um, uh, I'd like my husband to buy me jewelry that doesn't turn my wrist green. <laughs> but then the devil comes in and tells you that's evil because that's what religion has done. Religion has said that's evil to want those things. And so when you're praying for those things and then you have doubt whether God wants you to have those things, you're double-minded and a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways and they don't receive anything. So you have to be firm and you have to be not embarrassed to say, Lord, I want finances that don't just get me by. I want finances that are good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and overflowing. So that means you got to cast out those religious thoughts. You know, if you look at those who taught religion and poverty and spirituality are synonymous, they wanted their people poor, but they always were rich. So you've got to understand. Now, the other thing of it is, is that you've got to understand, and I'm going to show you in the next couple of weeks, I won't get into too much today. I'm going to show you how the power of Pentecost is directly linked to the wisdom to gain wealth. But you've got to understand that God gives you power to gain wealth, right? What was that song? I got the power. <laughs> Remember that? Who did that song? I got the power. Say out loud, I got the power. You already have it. You already have it. God has given you the power to gain wealth. Listen, Ecclesiastes 10, 19 says, a feast is made for laughter. We, always, we all like a party, a birthday party, a celebration. A feast is made for laughter. Wine makes the heart merry, but money answers all things. Money answers all things the electric company calls you and says we've sent you notices and we're going to turn your lights off and you go but i've prayed i've prayed that you would forgive me and they go click money keeps those lights on they call and say uh, we're gonna come get that car money pays for that car you need food for your kids. Money pays for those food. You need to send your kids to college. Money pays for those, that college. Whatever it is, money answers those things. Amen? Now, I'm not limiting what Jesus could do. Jesus could show up at the Ford dealership and say, Thus saith me, let him haveth that careth freeth. Or he'll send you money to pay for that. Amen? Yeah. Now, look, look at this real close, because this sounds elementary, and it is. Why did it take 50 days coming out of Egypt to Mount Sinai? Why 50 days after resurrection to the day of Pentecost? Ancient Jewish wisdom says they had to leave the slave mentality and grow into Jehovah Jireh, our provider. They had to leave the mentality that the government's going to pay for it, Egypt's going to pay for it, and they had to leave that. Do not trust Egypt. You have to grow out of that to say, you know what? No matter who's in the Oval Office, I know who's on the throne, and his name is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is his, and everything that's in it is his. So you have to go to say, I know who is my provider. They had to leave the barley mentality and go to the wheat mentality, slave mentality to the children of God mentality. On Pentecost or on Shavuot 
Ancient Jewish wisdom says, on that day, you've climbed this ladder. I'm not trusting the world. I'm trusting God. And you get a divorce. It literally says in Hebrew, you get a divorce from failure. Now, the word Egypt, and I know of you know this, the word Egypt itself, not trusting in Egypt, the word Egypt itself means limitations, boundaries, and restrictions. But when we climb that ladder and say, you know what? I love my job, I love my country, I love, I love this, but I know who is my provider, and it is Almighty God. You get a divorce from being dependent on the rest of the world. Now, let's look at a couple things that, on the argument of spirituality and poverty. Number one, Jesus was not poor. Now, I know the main scripture, and see, I was raised in this. I was raised that, man, if you want a nice car, if you want a, a, a nice home, if you want to uh, wear nice clothes, you're a, you're a city dweller, you're a world dweller and not a kingdom builder because Jesus was poor. We were taught that. Jesus was poor. Matter of fact, the scripture says Jesus became poor so we could become rich. Now, I remember going to my pastor and I said, you know, pastor, we always emphasize that Jesus became poor. We never emphasize so we could become rich. You know what my pastor told me? He said, well, God's not talking about finances there. He's talking about you becoming rich spiritually. And I said, so Jesus became poor spiritually? He goes, quit bothering me with these questions. Now, Jesus never was poor. Now, in heaven, in heaven, compared to what he had on earth, you could take all the money in the world, give it to one man, and it would not even come close to comparing streets of gold, pearly gates. So anybody, you could take all the money of Saudi Arabia and give it to us. And we would be poor compared to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in his glory. Amen? Amen. But it says Jesus came poor so we could become rich. Now, rich is a relative term. Let's say this time next year, your finances doubled. That would be rich. That wouldn't be bad. But let's say it just kept going and going and going. Jesus was not poor you, you know you think of uh you you, you think of um and that's religion the religion paints these pictures you think of them gambling over jesus robe. what is in john 19 the roman centurion saw jesus robe and they said this is a seamless garment let's not rip it let's cast lots for it in other words this is this is uh, i don't know what men's uh, gucci or what i don't know <laughs> Probably not the best thing for men. I don't know. But this is, this is an experience. They, they, they looked at it and go, this is, this is not sewn together. This is all one fabric. Let's not rip this. Let's cast lots to see who gets it. Now, if Jesus was wearing, you know, a potato sack, they wouldn't have gambled over it. Oh, come on. Say, Pastor, don't, don't break my poverty mentality. When Jesus sent the disciples out, he brought them back in. He said, when I sent you out with no purse, no, no bag, no, no money bags, did you lack anything? They said, we lack nothing. He said, that was to prove that I'm Jehovah Jireh. Now take your money bags with you. We know, that, we know the story of feeding the 5,000, right? They said, Lord, send them away. Send them away. They're hungry. And Jesus said, you buy them lunch. 5,000 men plus women and children, 15,000 people. They had money on them. They had money on them to buy everybody lunch. But God wanted to show a miracle instead. The other, I love this one. The other argument that we always gave was, if I get more, there's not enough to go around. You know, if I want more, then there's not enough to go around. Number one, the Lord owns the world. The earth and the silver and the gold is mine. I I don't know about you, but I love watching uh, Deadliest Catch on television and uh, 
Parker and the gold rush, you know, digging gold out. And Parker's down now. Parker Schnabel is down now in uh, uh, Peru. He's down in Peru where uh, uh, our TV producer's from. And they bring out $4 billion a year in gold. And they said it's not even tapped yet. So number one, we got to understand that all that gold and all that silver and all the cattle and everything, that belongs to the Lord. And it's our Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Now, I know this sounds simple, but I got to break that there's not enough mentality. God does not want you're his child. He, He likes to spoil you. Have you ever bought for your kids something they don't need? Now, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I was raised in the hood, inner city, and every Christmas we got socks and underwear. Even when I went to college, my mom wrote my name in my underwear. Is this Larry's? I didn't want socks and underwear. I wanted a bicycle. I wanted a a gun. I have more guns now than the Army. (laughs) Do you ever buy yourself kids something that they don't need? Why do you do that? You love them. It's the Father's good pleasure. It makes him happy to see you happy. Oh, come on, guys. You're making me work too hard on this. It makes him happy to see you happy. Amen? Well, if I get more, there's not enough. Um, You know, when I was thinking of this, I remember, do any any of you remember John Avanzini? Do you remember Pastor John Avanzini? He's the one that changed our thinking. And I said, I remember John having some notes. And so I went back to some notes that I had. That, that John wrote in 1989. Now, this is, this is the mentality where there's not enough to go around. John wrote in his notes that, the, it, that by the year 2009, it's estimated that there would be, by 2009, $52 trillion worth of wealth in the world. By 1959, there would be $52 trillion worth of wealth in the world. John, the experts have told John this were wrong. In the year 2000, there were $440 trillion worth of wealth. $440 trillion worth of wealth. Now, in 2020, there is now $1,540 trillion dollars in global assets now i'm looking at this and i'm thinking i don't even know what a trillion is right but we all know kind of what a million is and so i looked this up just to make sure that i had it right and a million seconds you know, thinking million dollars, a million seconds equals 12 days. A trillion seconds equals 31,688 years. Let me say that again. A million seconds equals 12 days. A trillion seconds, and remember, in 2020, in 2020 they, they estimate there are one thousand five hundred forty trillion dollars worth of global assets a trillion seconds is thirty one thousand six hundred and eighty eight years so when we're talking about wealth in the world if god ten times your salary it doesn't even scratch the amount of wealth that's in the world here's the key there's no lack say no lack there's no lack that whole mentality well i'm just being stingy i i just i just just if i want i just you know if god bought me a house the rest of the world will starve no they won't the wealth of the wicked 
is laid up for the righteous, we need to understand there's more than enough. And most of it hasn't even been developed, dug, found, created. Let me go through this real quick here. Look at creation. In Genesis, it says God created the world in seven days. And seven times in those seven days, whatever God created, he said, this is good. But look at Genesis 2, 10, verse 12. And God says, now up the river Pishon is where the gold is, and the gold is good. Now, I'm going to help you think like a Jew, like, like, like somebody being taught by a rabbi. In seven days, God said, here's the cattle, here's the rivers, here's the fish, here's the ocean, here's the... It's all good, it's all good, it's all good. I made it all for you, it's all good. But when he gets to number eight, and eight is the number for a new beginning, he says, now up the river Pishon is where the gold is, and the gold is good. He didn't say where the fish were, he didn't say where the cattle were, he didn't say where... where anything else is but he said up the river pishon is where the gold is and god said gold is good ancient jewish wisdom says when you follow god and when you live for god god will lead you and guide you and teach you and show you things to come god will show you Amen. where the gold is Now, I know 1 Timothy 6.10, this is what they all quote, the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's true, because it's in the Word of God. But God did not say money is the root of all evil. He just said, I give you power to gain wealth. He just said, I'll show you where the gold is, because gold is good. He just said, everything I have I desire to give to you. That's why it was created. So when we quote that scripture, the love of money is the root of all evil, God is not saying money is the root of all evil. He's saying loving money more than loving God or loving your neighbor, that is the root of all evil. You know, I, I don't know if I said it here or said it in the back, but it's interesting that when Israel, and I'm going to, next week you're going to see something amazing, but when Israel was leaving Egypt, God told Moses, tell them, don't leave without the gold and the silver. When they were getting ready, when the Lord was going to heaven, he told the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until you get the Holy Spirit. The gold and the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of God are synonymous. I love what way one rabbi put it. They didn't have time in Egypt to let the bread rise, but they had enough time to stop. And it literally says empty Egypt from all their wealth. The wealth of the wicked in these last days is laid up for the righteous. There is going to be an end time transfer of wealth from the wicked into the hands of the righteous. Somebody's going to get blessed. It might as well be. It might as well be us. Amen. Holy Spirit and wealth are synonymous. When we pray on Shabbat, every Friday night, we pray on Shabbat. And we say, may our sons, because at that time, sons were the ones who were over the house, inherited the home. May our sons be like Ephraim and Manasseh. Ancient Jewish wisdom says Ephraim is the example of spiritual wisdom. Manasseh is the example of economic wisdom. So every day we start and we're praying, God give us spiritual wisdom and God give us economic wisdom. Show us where to work. Show us what to buy. Show us something to invent. Show us something to invest into. That comes from the Holy Spirit that will lead us, guide us, and show us things to come. In Egypt, they held up a loaf of barley, one loaf of barley. Barley was the, the food that they fed the animals. Barley was what Egypt fed them. But when they got to Shavuot, Pentecost, we were to lift up two loaves, and those two loaves, not of barley, but of wheat, 
symbolizing that he is the Lord of the harvest. The first loaf represents wisdom of God. The second loaf represents the gaining of prosperity. So we're saying, God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom to be a father, a mother, a son, a daughter. Give me wisdom to be a pastor, a teacher. Give me wisdom to reveal the hidden secrets of the Bible. But at the same time, give me wisdom that I can finance what God wants to do and live well at the same time. I had somebody, I, 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 won't, I won't tell you, I, I have people all the time that say, you know, you know, uh, you know Daystar, and can you get me on Daystar? Can, can you get me on Daystar? I said, I, I, sure, I could talk to them. You want to be on once a day or you want to be on once a week? Well, I'd like to be on every day. Okay, how much money do you have? Because you would not believe how much it costs. So what if we were on television every day, we're on television every day around the world, and because we're on television every day around the world, we can't buy new carpet, we can't turn the lights on, we can't. That's not prosperity. But when God gives us enough, not only to be on television, tell the world about the gospel of Jesus Christ, but last year you gave over two and a half, almost two and a half million dollars just to Israel, not counting the orphans, not counting 50,000 meals a, a month to kids in Africa. That's the reason for prosperity. So I know this is going to rake you the wrong way. You can drive a really, really nice car and have enough overflow Amen. to feed the widows and the orphans. Amen. God's not on a budget. Amen. Amen? Yeah. Let me end with this. Let me close with this. John the Baptist is in the river, and he says to people, I baptize you in water. Was in Matthew, Matthew 11? I baptize you in water, but there is one coming after me who will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. Power and fire. Power and fire. Now, this is leading in next week, but keep this in your heart. Anywhere we see in the Bible fire, it represents divine wisdom. King Solomon said, the crown of the wise is their wealth. The crown of the wise is their wealth. Now, there's a wealth that comes from the Lord and brings no sorrow with it. You can get wealthy by cheating and stealing, but sorrow comes with it. But there is a wealth that comes from the Lord and brings no sorrow with it. Now, let me close with this. We know that when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they disobeyed God, the Bible says he moved them out and he placed them out of the garden. Whenever you see something repeated twice, what does it mean? There's a secret being revealed. The secret is the next verse. The angel with the fire sword, the fiery sword, is there, and I've always heard it taught, to keep us out of the garden. Read it. The fiery sword is there. Adam and Eve, the human race, is taken out of the garden. When it's twice, in Hebrew it says, he's divorced himself from being Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And he says, now, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to eke out an existence, and he cursed the ground with what? Thorns and thistles. Then we see Jesus, they took the, the curse of poverty, placed it on his brow, and not by the sweat of Adam's brow, but were redeemed by the blood of Jesus' brow, and it broke that curse of poverty. But in the last days, that fire, the wisdom of God, will show us how to come back into the garden where everything we put our hands to, every place we put the sole of our feet, God will give it to us for inheritance, right? Let me close with this. Say this out loud. Money is good. good. Say it louder. Money is good. good. In Hebrew, the word money is the word kesef. The root of that is kaf. The word money, kesef, the root word, has two meanings. One is the sole of your foot. The other is the palm of your hand. So God right here connects prosperity, money, to the sole of your foot 
in the palm of your hand. We know that we're redeemed by the blood. We know that Jesus, by the crown of thorns, broke the curse of failure and poverty. Now we got to go from the curse being broken into the blessing being released, and they nailed Jesus' hands so that everything you put your hands to, God will cause it to prosper, and every place you put the sole of your foot, God will give it to you for inheritance. It's not a coincidence that the root word of money in Hebrew is the palm of your hand and the sole of your foot. Somebody's going to make more money. It might as well be us. If you believe that, give the Lord a clap offering. Stand to your feet, would you please? Isn't that amazing? He says, beloved, I would above all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul does prosper. Now look at me. Beloved, I pray above everything. Think about that. Above all my prayers, this is what I pray. That as your soul grows, so will your healing, so will your prosperity. Amen? The power of your words. You know, when, when uh, Tiz was sick and Lion was sick, um, we sat there and no hope for Lion. Three months for Tiz. And I don't have all the answers to this. Sometimes it's just, it's appointed unto a person to go. But if it's not appointed, then God wants us to partner with him. And we would sit and say, you know, Tiz, when, when, you know, we walk out and they said, you have three months to live. And we went home and we were watching something on television and, you know, that's sitting in your head. But the Bible says, calling those things which are not, calling them, calling them. You know, I have three dogs and they're out running out on the land and stuff. And I, I don't see them, but I call them and they come running. They call, I call them, come here. Well, they're not here, but they're coming, right? So we're sitting there and I said, Tiz, when you're done with this, um, I've always wanted a 69 Mach 1 or a 69 Camaro. That's what I had when I got saved when, you know, I bought them when I was, uh, before I was saved, when I was in the uh, import-export business of all natural substances <laughs> out of Columbia. And I said, we need to go to California. We've never, what's the highway on up? The, 101, 101. We need to do that. We need to go there and do that sometime. And so I'm, we're focusing on, calling that in with lion you know we go in the hospital and there's tubes in him and he's all blowed up and everything and so you know when he gets out of this we need to go to disney world you know we need to go you know that's before disney world went crazy but we need to go to disney world and uh right now today lion and luke and jen uh they called us a few days ago and they said make a wish is sending us to disney world uh airplane hotel car everything free everything free and i thought you know what it didn't happen at that very moment but it happened but it happened we need to understand that the reason why jesus shed his blood to break the curse of poverty and then look at this money is not bad money is not bad Next week, we're meeting a plane, or in two weeks or whatever, we're, we're taking a tour to Israel, and we're meeting a plane. Right now, we, we have already paid for a plane of Ethiopia, another plane of Ethiopian refugees to make Aliyah, to make Aliyah climb up into Israel. We'll, our, we'll be meeting them there. We'll be meeting them there. And that can't happen if we can't pay the church bills that can't happen if the church is in debt and trying to struggle then i have to get up and preach every every sunday about taking an offering and bringing an offering we don't do that we 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 believe that when you leave you put your offering in it's up it's between you and god i don't teach these things because 
I'm trying to get something from you. I teach these things because we're trying to get something to you. And I'll tell you, when the Bible says, how, how, I, I, I have all the statistics, I could have gone. How many divorces take place because of financial problems? How many fighting and bickering in the family because of financial problems? No child of God ought to decide, do we eat, do we buy medicine, or do we pay our bills? Our God is a God of more than enough. And it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Can I have an amen? Amen. Do you receive that? Say, well, pastor, how will it happen? I don't know. How did water come out of a rock? I don't know. How did a gold coin come out of a fish's mouth? I don't know. But I do know that when you put your hands to everything you put your hands to, God wants it to prosper. Every place you put the sole of your feet, God wants you to give you to inheritance. You need to pray. You need to pray and say, God, give me wisdom. Give me divine wisdom. I'm going to show you something next week that is absolutely amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But the Holy Spirit, we're, 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 we're coming into that time in just a few weeks, the day of Pentecost. And this is when God gives power to the church. This is when God gives divine wisdom to the church. And you're the church. How many believe we're going out, signs, wonders, and miracles? Uh, You believe that? Raise your hand if you believe that. How many believe we're going out the lender, not the borrower? Amen? The Bible says the borrower is a slave to the lender. We need to get out of debt. We need a miracle debt cancellation, but once we're out of debt, we need to stay out of debt and let God open the windows of heaven over us. Amen? Now, let me say this in closing. None of this works unless you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So I'd like to have every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. None of this works. It's all for all of us. It's for all of us for every person on the planet. I'm going to show you by scripture next week. It doesn't matter if we're from America. It doesn't matter if we're from the Philippines. Look at me a second. Look at, look at me a second. I'm just going to tell you this one thing. I'm going to show you next week. I'm proving to you by scripture that prosperity is for every nation, every person, every nation. But let me tell you this story. It just popped into my spirit. Years and years and years ago, I was teaching on an island in the middle of nowhere. And we would do miracle crusades at night in the Philippines. And we would do leadership conference during the day. And I was teaching on prosperity. And we're in an island in the Philippines. And this one pastor said, Pastor, I understand American prosperity, but it doesn't work in the Philippines. I said, explain that, Pastor. He goes, we're not, there's not even a Cadillac on this island. And I said, prosperity isn't, isn't you driving a Cadillac. I said, if you put your net in the water like Peter did, God can fill those fishing because they were basically a fishing and farming island. God can fill those nets. He can double your intake of, of, uh, of fish. Now, that church had been on, on support by American missionaries for 28 years. 28 years just receiving from Egypt. I said, your caribou, or not your caribou, your uh, uh, water buffalo can have two calves instead of one. That's prosperity. Don't live, your, your wheat can, wherever you're growing, can come in double. They've been on support by, by American mission thing for 28 years. When I went back the next year, They were totally off support. They had doubled the size of their church and everything because they started seeing unlimited prosperity. Isn't that that wonderful? What a wonderful God we serve. But all of that begins with Jesus Christ being first your Lord and Savior. So as every head bowed, every eyes closed, no one looking around. Right in your seat, you're here, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I've never, maybe you've never received the Lord as your Savior or maybe you've kind of grown lukewarm and, or backslid even. And you say, you know what? I want to get my life right with God. Because, and, and it's not a selfish thing to say. It's not just about getting to heaven. That's the main part. But it's about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God takes care of our home, our families, our husbands, our wives, our children. God is a God who cares about you now. 
So as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, no one's looking around. You're here and you say, Pastor, would you remember me in prayer? I want to give my life or rededicate my life to the Lord. Lift your hand up all over the building and just hold it there the whole time because I, I want to go through the whole room. I see that hand, 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 that hand. God bless you. That hand, that hand, God bless you. That hand, God bless you. Just keep it up the whole time. That hand, God bless you. That hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, God bless you. That hand, God bless you. Uh, over on the left here, raise it up real high where I can see it through the lights. Amen, 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 amen. Give the Lord a clap offering for these wonderful people, amen. Now, I've already gone a little, I'm a minute over, so I'm not gonna have you come down, but we're gonna pray together. We're gonna pray that we ask Jesus into our hearts, but let's pray for God to give you the anointing to gain wealth. How many like an anointing to gain wealth? And what did he say? I give you power to gain wealth. Don't leave Jerusalem till you get the Holy Spirit. Don't leave Egypt till you empty it of its wealth. As crazy as it is in the world today, I believe the next two years, I believe this so strong. And Scotty, Pastor Scott brought it up. He said, Pastor, five years ago, you prophesied amongst the staff, we're heading into seven years of fat. And boy, we've seen it. We've seen God's blessing. And he said, you, you, and you keep saying the next two years, the next two years is the end of that seven years of fat. I, I believe in all my heart, no matter what's going on out there, I'm in this world, but I am not of this world. Amen. So God will give us you know, one of the things people ask me all the time, Pastor, how do you pray? One of the things I pray every morning is, God, give me sensitivity to your voice. Let me hear your voice. And if you're telling me to get out of the boat of logic and walk on water, I'm going to walk on water. God will speak to you, give you wisdom. We were looking to build a church in Portland, and we we, we thought this one building, ball, we went up there and we, we marched around it seven times and everything, and they sold it to somebody else. And I said, all right, God's got something better. God's got something better. And I'm driving down the road, myself and two of the guys, we're going out to get coffee, and I see this, this, this land that's all over covered with vines and weeds and trees and everything and I and and so I said man I wonder who owns this land and I pull up in this little gravel road I pull up I'm I'm, I'm off I thought you were shouting me down <laughs> did I go off where'd I go off at okay so I pull in this road in this overrun gravel dirt road and there's a giant buck like a 10-point buck there. And I go, oh, this is God. <laughs> and we see a sign, and it says for sale. And we bought that, what was it, 48 acres? Was it 48 acres? Something like, I think it was 48 acres, something like that. And we bought it for $4.2 And everybody, everybody, everybody's pitching in. We're having auctions, and everybody's bringing in their stuff, trying to get it. And we were $30,000 short. $30,000 short and this lady and and we got to be at the bank in 45 minutes or we lose our down payment and this lady this lady calls and the, my secretary says pastor some ladies on the phone she sounds mad but she wants to talk to you so I get on the phone this is no joke and she says I don't even like you <laughs> but I'm moving to Seattle and I'm in Vancouver, which is across the river from Portland. She said, I, I, God won't let me go any further until I come back and give you a check. And I'm going, well, thank you, dear. And I'm going, you know, money's better than you know, whether you like me or not. And she comes in, she goes, I don't like the speaking in tongues. I don't like all this. I don't like that. But she goes, I couldn't leave. And she gave me a check for $30,000, $30,000, $30,000. And, and I remember the bank was that we didn't even get in the car. We were, thank you, thank you. God owns it all. You can't give up, you can't give up, you can't settle. You can't settle. 
What an amazing God we serve. What an amazing God we serve. God will even make the devil give you money. He's been stealing it for a long time. Amen. How many of you have somehow in the pandemic or something, something with your business, something with your, something where you've really lost money? Anybody, we've really lost money. A bunch of people. Everything the devil stolen is coming back multiplied by seven. All right, take your neighbor's hands. I'm going, I could, man, I feel the anointing coming back on me. I better stop. Take your neighbor's hands. Lift them up in victory. Say this out loud. Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now say this as a child of God. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my body. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my home. Get out of my family. Get out of my finances. Get out of my future. I declare in the name, by the blood, I am anointed by God with power to gain wealth. Not someday, but today. I declare wealth of the world is coming in to my hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now give the Lord a clap offering and enter in. Come on, you got to enter into it with praise. Come on, you got to enter into it. They want me to make an announcement, then we're going to pray in closing. Next Saturday, May 6th, is time to pray for schools. We meet here at 930. We'll go over to one of the schools and we'll go and pray in those schools. Listen to me. There's one thing that upsets me big, big time is they're trying to steal your children. They're trying to steal our children. And we need to go and place our hands on those schools. We need to establish wherever we put the sole of our feet, we put the palm of our hands. We need to establish the presence of God. We need to bind the devil. And we need a team. We need a team. Don't be too busy. Don't be too busy to come out and be a part of our team that goes in there and claims our kids back. Because I promise, when you do something spiritual, God does something financial. Every time, it's synonymous. God did the miracle of Egypt, but he brought the finances along with them. So we need you to come out and come with us to pray Saturday morning at 9.30, and let's bind the devil and claim our country, our city, our state, and our schools back for the kingdom of God. We got a saying, let's make a America godly again. Amen. Do you receive it? Lift up your hands. Father, I release an anointing on every one of us here, everyone that's watching around the world, all of our friends and family on stream. I release an anointing to gain wealth. Father, I bind that old religious teaching that money is not good, that being poor and religious is synonymous, and we claim that as you prosper us, we will not forget that it is you who gives us power in our hands to gain wealth. Father, let there be immediate changes. Let there be this year changes in our economic growth, and we will be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. God bless you. I love you.